listening to Powwow Live Podcast from powwows.com, connecting you with Native culture since 1996. Here's your host, Paul Gowder. So, Tashina Littlebin was born on the Navajo Nation and is a third-generation Diné weaver from Rock Point, Arizona. She learned how to weave traditionally by observing her mother daily. She created her first weaving when she was just seven years old and continued the progress till she moved to the city at age 12, where she lost connection with her culture and her weaving. 20 years later, the pandemic halted the world that she saw it as a calling to return home to the Diné land to reconnect with weaving and pursue her talents in textile with her ancestral techniques. Dashina has been specializing in weaving scenic pictorial designs, eye-dazzling patterns, saddle blankets for show horses, and creating one-of-a-kind traditional dresses. She was recognized by Navajo Time in January of 2023 as Young Generation of Weavers set out to revitalize Diné culture. She plans on continuing her practices in hopes to pass the tradition to the next generation of weavers. So please welcome Tashina Littlebin. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here. If you would, please introduce yourselves and let everybody know about um, who you are and where you're from. Okay. First, I'm going to introduce myself in Navajo for my fellow Dene. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Tashina. I am from Rock Point, Arizona, and I am a Dene Weaver. Awesome. Now, when you say Dene Weaver, so I, the first question that comes to mind is you know, Navajo weaving is one of those things I've seen in museums. I've seen lots of pictures online, never talked to anybody who actually does it. So I guess my first question is, is what makes Navajo weaving unique? What kind of, where did it come from and, and what is it that makes it Navajo? Um, I think it, what makes it Navajo is um, the spirituality practice that goes uh, within weaving that a lot of people don't talk about because I think within history, it was promoted. It was promoted more um, like aesthetically, and um, I think now uh, what I'm trying to do is basically just tell my own personal story. That um, you know, weaving for me is a way to ground myself and to keep my my well being healthy. And how did you get started in in doing this? Uh, is this you know I, I've watched another uh, some other videos and read some articles about this. So I, from what I understand, you started young, right? But then took some time off. Yeah, I was actually born into it. Um, my grandmother is a weaver on my dad's side, which is um, where I was born and raised in Hollywood in Rock Point, Arizona, and. Um, she was a weaver. All of my aunties are weavers. They're actually well-known weavers on the reservation right now, the Little Ben family. And I was just surrounded by it. I was just born into it. So it was just something that I observed daily. And so when um, it came to my time, I was probably about 
seven years old when I started. And um, I started with like really tiny, tiny little pieces. Um, I would say just about like one foot tall to, and then just progressively growing up to about like three foot rugs when I was about 12 years old. And then I took a very long break because I moved off of the reservation. And so from there, I graduated high school. I went to, um, I moved to Las Vegas where I started my career in retail. So I did that for about, about 15, 15 years in Las Vegas. And, um, then the pandemic hit in 2020. And that was when I thought it was time, it was time to go home and, uh, pretty much through my whole adulthood, after taking a break, I kind of felt like this pull that I wanted to go back home and I knew where I came from. So I just, you know, had that feeling still inside of me that I wanted to get back into weaving. So 2020 was the perfect time to do that. And, um, and it was very interesting because, you know, having that 20 year break, I was coming back to weaving now as an adult. So it, it was a completely different perspective for me. And that's, that's where I found that weaving was medicine for me. And it was a good, healthy tool for me to maintain my thoughts and maintain my well-being and my spirituality. You know, the pandemic, it caused a lot of trouble, pain. Um, so I like, I like when we hear stories of new beginnings, um, new opportunities that came out of it. Um, don't want to do it again, but I'm glad to hear something, you know, positive things came out of it, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> or lining to um, the pandemic, yeah. actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I do miss places being less crowded, but now we don't want to go back to where we were. Um. <laughs> That's pretty much what weaving is, is it's, it's basically forcing you to have discipline to get rid of all the chaos and the noise that you have in your thoughts and just focus on, on, you know, what you're working on and having the intentions that you don't want to put anything negative into something that you're creating. So, I mean, that's, that's why it's been a good helping tool for me. Yeah. So I'm assuming the pieces behind you are ones that you've done. Um, how long does something like that take? Well, since I just started again, after having a 20 year break, it's um, right now I'm just creating, I'd say like two feet rugs and I'm also working a full-time job. So that can take me about like two months um, to create just for me taking my time and just weaving only when I'm in a good space and um, which is usually in the morning time. That's how I start my day and I wake up early and I go out to my balcony and I just, you know, it's, I don't, you know, get a lot of work done, but it's still, I'm working little at a time and I'm almost done right now with the weaving that I started. Um, but it's, it's basically just a practice. I have an auntie that is, I would say she's in about her seventies 
And from what I do in two months, she can do in two days. So <laughs> it's um, hard to put a timeline on weavings because it's just all dependent on that weaver and what she was going through in her life at that time. Right. And where are you, where are you getting inspiration for your designs? Are, are you using just traditional designs or are these things that are, that you're creating? Um, well, since I got back into weaving and, and now it's like more of a spiritual practice for me, I don't know too much about um, a lot of the designs that are out there. So right now I'm, you know, slowly in my own practice, I'm doing my own research and figuring out what those different designs mean and um, where different patterns come from, you know, those type of things so that I'm weaving authentically rather than just, you know, weaving it because it's pretty or it's for aesthetic reasons, you know? Right. So for you, you're saying you're talking a lot about how this is really helping you in, in your connections, your spirituality. Um, do you see yourself becoming more of a um, a weaver that's doing this, you know, more commercially and, and starting to sell this? Or do you think this will be something you, you remain kind of a personal thing for you? Um, I think it's just I. I want it to be uh, authentic to myself. and. You know, if I was going to put myself out there as a weaver, I want to fully understand it. And I felt like the best way to understand it is starting from the origin story of Dene weaving and where that came about and why it's a story that's being told. And it's the story of Spider Woman. And she was a, a goddess or deity that represented creativity she was a deity that represented creating something beautiful from the elements from her surroundings. And she was so connected with her surrounding and the elements. And that's how she was able to, or she was, she figured out how to weave. And then from there, she taught the first, first man and first woman how to weave. And from there, she instructed them to keep that tradition going and that if they continue that, that they will always be clothed, they will always be fed, and they will always be taken care of. So that's one philosophy that I really hold dear to me, that I'm going to keep this going. And I know that my ancestors are, you know, they're behind me and they're going to guide me and they're going to help me because I'm doing this. That's, that's really great. I, I love that. Um, what are the actual materials that are used in, in the Navajo weavings? Uh, the materials that I use right now, I'm doing my best and trying my hardest to, uh, to use everything natural. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's very hard to do because it's very expensive. <laughs> yeah. so it's just um, I'm also practicing processing my own yarn just exactly like how my ancestors had um, created their weaving so I want to you know that's my goal to one day have 
a weaving that is fully hand carded and hand spun by me in natural dye. That'd be, that'd be awesome. That's great. I I know that. Yeah. Anytime you uh, try to go natural, whether it's materials, food or anything else, they always put an extra price tag on some of that stuff. So yeah, I I get it. Yeah. Well, because it takes, it takes time. Right. And it's because it's quality stuff, right? And yeah. yeah. Right. That's the reason why a lot of weavers, uh, you know, steered away from using everything all natural and doing everything by hand because, you know, you want to create more so that you can provide for your family because that right. was pretty A lot of families on the reservations were providing was through their weavings. Yeah. And so if somebody out there is looking to um, invest in a Navajo weaving, it, is, there, is there things you should look for to, to tell a, a good quality Navajo weaving or even to tell if it is an actual um, from the Navajo, not an imitation? <clears throat> That's very hard because you have to be uh, a specialist, I would say like a fiber specialist to know and there are people out there that can tell when you do look at a weaving, if it is natural dye or commercial yarn. So it, it is, um, if you're not around it or if you're not trained or if you don't know the whole process of how it's created, then it is hard to tell the difference. So usually it's done by specialists. Okay. And I know I, I get this question a lot. Um, when people are looking um, to, to shop with different artists, whether it's, you know, beadwork or even Navajo weaving, is it okay for somebody that's not Navajo to go and, and buy a Navajo weaving? And, and is that okay? I think it is okay. I, um, well, as a Navajo weaver, the way that it was intentioned originally was that this was medicine. So, you know, it was a way for every Diné weaver to say their prayers for their family and their loved ones. So a lot of that energy gets put into the weaving. So as a Diné weaver, that's up to us who we want to gift that to, because that's pretty much like I'm gifting you, you know, all of my thoughts and all of my prayers. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, and you know, it's, uh, like I said, I've, I've never, um, I've seen some amazing things in museums or whatever, but I haven't been able to talk to anybody who does this before. And, um, at least in my head, I always thought that this was something that the older generation did. So it's exciting to see, you know, uh, and I saw an article out there about you and several other younger folks getting into this. So if somebody out there is listening, and wants to start learning, kind of how, how um, any, any advice for them or how to kind of get started in this or uh, to keep going if they are trying to learn? Um, I think it's just to, to just do it. <laughs> I know <laughs> so cliche, but it's just like what I said about the story of Spider-Woman. She didn't have anything laid out for her. She didn't have any instructions. She didn't know how to do any of this. So, you know, she went out, she experimented. There was a lot of trial and errors. And 
you know, eventually she figured it out. So it's just, you know, you have to just keep trying. That's great. And are there, um, you know, are there things, people that you're looking to now, I know you mentioned a couple of folks in your area that are, that are great, but are there other, uh, you know, who inspires you right now and, and what keeps you going as far as being an artist? Um, <clears throat> I would say my ancestors, there is a room in Santa Fe, actually, that is filled with weavings that are from 1800s to early 1900s. And I go into that room and I get my inspiration, my motivation, because I see these beautiful um, weavings that are eight foot, nine foot tall, and they're just you know, very soft, they're made of natural dyes. And, you know, they didn't have the resources that we had in these days. So to me, I think that's just so powerful that, you know, a lot of these women were so creative and so strong that they were able to create something beautiful from the elements in their surroundings. Okay, so I need to go to Santa Fe to see that. That that sounds amazing. Um, Now, just this is just my curiosity. Other people may not care, but I'm curious because I've done, you know, I've done like loom beading where, and I've done um, heddle loom beading where you actually use a wooden thing to separate the two things. So I'm just curious, you know, when you're setting this up, how how many um, yarns wide or is this? You know, how many are you dealing with when you're having to separate? Um, It is. It, yeah, I have, it just depends on your loom size, to be yeah. honest. Right now, what I am working with is just something very small because I have been traveling for a while now. So I like to be able to just um, take apart my loom. And um, right. I, well, I did a weaving demonstration actually in Hawaii. And so that's how I was able to start a weaving there. And I'm finishing it in Phoenix. Oh, that's cool. That's great. You're taking it out all the way out there. That's really cool. I've got a friend that's going out there to to, to do some flute performances. So it's cool to see the uh, yeah culture yeah. going back across. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Oahu Intertribal Powwow. Yeah, yeah, that's where he's heading. There are featured artists there, which it was their first year at the Bishop Museum. Yeah. Uh, strangely enough, I actually. Um, my wife and I went out there for our anniversary. This has been years ago. And we happened to go the weekend or we were there for the week. And one of the weekends was the powwow. So it was cool, kind of cool. I got to go out there and dance with those oh. folks. Um, and uh, they needed judges. So, you know, it was really cool. They, they, um, I, we, did, we did it all. It was great. It was really fun. Um, it's They have some, uh, you know, actually some really great dancers out there. And they bring in some uh, some folks from the mainland, too. It was, it was awesome. Um and I don't know if it's still like this, but the weird thing um, about the if you've I don't know if you went to the powwow there, but when we went, it was in downtown Waikiki, and there was a noise ordinance, so the powwow had to stop at six every night. So weird. Oh, yeah. So they started early. You know, grand entry wasn't at noon; it was earlier because they had to stop at six. It was weird. <laughs> Probably us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Waikiki still has a noise ordinance. Probably not. It's a it's a much bigger city now. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your um, 
Yeah, some of your weaving and, and some of the meaning behind it. I really appreciate that. Anything else you want to say to the, the audience there about yourself or the weaving before we go? Um, I I don't. <laughs> I'm being put on the spot now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, well, I guess I just from my story and what I represent is, you know, a lot of natives that have moved to the city. Well, especially Danae, that have moved to the city and have grown apart from their culture. You know, it's not too late. I had a 20-year break. And, you know, going back to it as an adult, you have a completely different perspective. And, you know, it's not too late to give it a second chance. Great advice. It is It is exciting to see. Uh, I've talked to a few young folks or younger folks lately and to see uh, – that there are traditions that are being picked back up. And, and that's really exciting to see um, whether it's language or beadwork or weaving, whatever it is, it's really good to see that some folks are, are really taking an interest in their culture. So it's, it's really cool. Well, thank you for sharing with me and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Powwow Life podcast from powwows.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to get notified of our next episode. Find a powwow near you by visiting www.powwows.com forward slash calendar. Support powwows.com by visiting www.powwownation.com. Here's this week's trivia question. You can head over to powwowlife.com to fill out the form and submit your answer. All the right answers are entered into a drawing for a 10-sticker powwows.com sticker pack. Here's the question. This year, we are celebrating a big milestone. We have been live streaming for a number of years. So tell me, what year was the first year we streamed and what was the first powwow we streamed? If you've been listening or following our content, you should be able to find it. Good luck. Powwowlife.com to submit your answer. What was the first powwow and what year did we first live stream? Good luck and thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week.